Hello, everyone. I am Chris Hyam, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next installment of Here to Help. This is our look at how Indeed has been navigating the global impact of COVID-19. Today is March 1st. We're on day 363 of global work from home. At Indeed, our mission is to help people get jobs, and this is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us up at night. And March is Women's History Month. And to kick things off today, I am delighted to be joined by Jennifer Warren, Indeed's VP of Global Brand Marketing. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, let's start off where we always start off in these discussions with a check-in. How are you doing today? I uh, well, right now I'm I'm excited to be having this conversation. I can't believe it's been almost a year since we've been in in lockdown in just a couple of days. When I think back on the year, I'd say I've gone through almost the full like grieving process, and I'm now around to acceptance. <laughs> you know, this happened, and more than anything, I'm ready to move forward. I think we received some good news about the third COVID vaccine and ACL being on. Not sure how I feel about that, but looking forward to moving moving forward now. Great. So with the kickoff to Women's History Month, we'd like to start uh, a little bit by hearing about your own personal career journey. Did you always know that you wanted to be in marketing? I did not. I had no idea. Um, growing up, I thought at one point I was going to be a veterinarian and then I was going to be a psychologist. Um, I grew up in a small town, Nederland, Texas, which is by Beaumont, Texas, which is by Houston, Texas. I usually have to work my way up for anyone to know what I'm talking about. I went to college there because that's where my parents went to school. and. In, uh, during college, I was approached by someone to be in a television ad and found myself, um, while I was in the ad, actually more interested in what was going on on the other side of the camera, asking questions and trying to change the script, which I'm sure they love now that I'm on this side of it. And uh, through that and a series of, of ads that I was in, I ended up working for the ad agency. <laughs> they gave me a job while I was in college and I did that for a couple of years. Got to try a lot of uh, different things in that process. So how did you get from small town Texas to a career in global marketing? That is a great question. I sometimes ask myself that, um, but you know, I knew I wanted to get to a bigger, <laughs> bigger city and to continue growing. And um, I wish there was an Indeed at the time. I was trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do in this city? I knew one person here, um, but I found, you know, the best ad agency here. It was called GSDNM. They had um, Sam Walton as a client, who's the founder of Walmart, Herb Kelleher, who's the founder of Southwest Airlines, Norm Brinker, you know, Chili's and a lot of the big brands. So I said, okay, that must be the agency that I should want to work for sent in my resume to apply, thought I'd be a shoe in because I had all this great experience in Nederland in this um, small agency and uh, was swiftly rejected. At least it didn't fall into a black hole. I got a letter saying, you know, oh, thanks so much for applying. We get thousands of um, applicants every, you know, every single month. A lot of them come from UT. We're very involved with the school of UT. All the founders went there, you know, keep trying. Um, so, so I was rejected, but I came to Austin anyway, took a few other jobs just to try to get experience. And a couple years later, I did end up at, um, GSDNM 
um, learned a lot. I had, um, I was given some great experience working in several areas of the agency. I worked for a lot of different brands and really learned what I um, liked and didn't like about, you know, um, you know, working on all these different brands. So along those lines, one of the things that, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about is that that you were personally motivated by mission driven brands. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah. So I guess take a take a quick step back. When I was at GSDNM, I found myself drawn towards working for certain types of brands. But at the time, they didn't really have a name to them. That was before people were talking about purpose driven or mission driven brands. And I use those a little bit interchangeably. Um, and so during my time there, Roy Spence, who is the founder and a mentor of mine, wrote the first book on purpose-based branding, and it was called, It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For. And it was almost this epiphany of that's, those are the types of brands that I'm really enjoying working on. Um, one of the accounts that I led, it was our largest account, was Walmart. And, you know, when I compared that to some of the other like CPG brands, not that there's aren't great purpose driven CPG brands, but I just was enjoying my time on Walmart. And a lot of that was they were really clear on what they stood for. Sam Watton wanted to keep prices low so that people in rural America could afford. Um, obviously, now they're a global organization, but could afford the same like name brands and quality products as everybody else. And, um, you know, one of the ways you know if you're a purpose-based brand is if you can answer the question, if X went away tomorrow, would you miss it? And Walmart was certainly one of those brands that would have been missed. Um, We spent a lot of time talking to customers and doing shop-alongs. And one of the things that really stood with me was um, we went shopping um, once with a a mother who came in with $7.43. Like I still remember her counting the pennies and she had to decide, you know, between a tube, tube of toothpaste, laundry detergent, you know, some diapers. And she was really struggling with, with, um, you know, how she was going to make ends meet till her next paycheck. So I really enjoyed working with those brands that if they went away tomorrow, someone would miss it because that meant it was making a meaningful difference in people's lives. Jump ahead, you've now celebrated three years with Indeed, uh, which is really exciting as our VP of Global Brand Marketing. Uh, what what led you to Indeed? Yeah, well, um, you know, one of the other things about purpose-based brands is when you walk into the buildings, or now I would say when you meet people, it's both of those things, you really feel when a company has a mission that they truly believe in. And it was something when I came to my interview, um, it, you couldn't miss it. You know, everybody believed in the mission to help people get jobs. Um, with my experience and my, um, you know, passion for that, I knew it was something, you know, people said, we just really want to figure out how do we take this and, and put it out to the world in a way that's going to resonate. And it felt like, a place where I could one believe in the mission. I had some personal, it had some personal meaning to me with my experience trying to find a job in a new place without a network. And at the same time, it was something that I felt like I understood and could really contribute um, value to. You spent the last, uh, I guess, the first couple of years here starting to to build out um, our our global brand strategy and and put things into place, and then. Uh, just about a year ago, COVID hit. How how did the um, pandemic affect our marketing plans for 2020? 
Yeah, it's a, um, that's a great question. So I'm sure like everybody else, we really had to pause, you know, take a pause. We were in this situation where at the same time we had media out there, we had to pull back everything we could, but we still had media out there. So we had to quickly decide, you know, how are we going to change our marketing to make sure it's right for the times? And it really meant doubling down on our mission. Um, that's another thing is when you, when you're, you know, faced with a challenge, you let your mission and you let your values guide you. So in that case, we took a step back and we said, okay, we're here to help people get jobs. Like what kind of help do people need at this time? Um, we did a couple of things. We had, um, I think this here to help, you know, as a, as a campaign was actually born out of that time period where we said what people need is, is help. We did some social listening and heard that the thing that people were most concerned about other than, um, you know, deciding is it safe to go back to work, people were losing their jobs. They really felt like there were no jobs that existed, you know, out there. So one of the first things we did is just highlighted people are still hiring. We also highlighted that people were still um, getting jobs out there. And then we also did a program that Aiden led called The Shift, which was about, you know, some of those people that were displaced because they were in industries that were either on pause or, or felt like they were going away, were able to shift into jobs. Um, so that was phase one was here to help. And then we applied that same thought process. We were ready um, to evolve from there. Um, you know, things started kind of turning around. People still needed a lot of help, but jobs were starting to come back. And we applied that same thought process. What do people need right now? And, you know, thought that that was really about providing hope and inspiration and representation across the entire labor force, which led us to our latest campaign that we launched during the Super Bowl, um, which is really taking our mission about helping all, and I always insert that all because that's what we mean by that, people get jobs and really looking to, to represent that, to um, inspire people. And it's a really hard journey and we want them to keep going. And um, that was how that campaign was born. So um, let, let's talk for a little bit about the, the Super Bowl ad. This is obviously something that was a, a big uh, move for Indeed. So we've been around for 16 years. We've never run a Super Bowl ad before. Why was 2021 the year for us to make this big leap? That's right. Well, um, a couple of things. One, you know, you had said it yourself, like never has there been a more important time for our mission. People need jobs. They need hope. So we, um, as I was saying, we knew we needed to develop a new campaign. I can't say that we set out at that time to say we're doing a Super Bowl ad. <laughs> we knew we needed a new campaign that really spoke to the needs in the market, landed on um, the one that we ended up launching in the Super Bowl. And we looked and we thought, what is the biggest stage we could possibly? Once we landed, we all felt great about it. What's the biggest stage that we could possibly get our message out there to make an impact? And it just so happened to be <laughs> the Super Bowl was coming up. Up, over 100 million people in 60 seconds, which is the largest, you know, uh, television event um, that you could you could possibly make. And so we decided at that time, you know, that this was our moment. It was highly relevant. It was an important message to get out, and we'd almost be doing ourselves a disservice and job seekers a disservice if we didn't use that as our platform to tell our story. So in 
approaching this idea of a Super Bowl ad, there are a number of sort of things that people do when they when they do a Super Bowl ad, and and um, there were a series of decisions where we took a we took a different approach, and um, you know might be considered uh, a risk, but. Can you talk up through some of the considerations that came up and, and why we decided to, to take the approach that we did with this ad? Yeah, great question. And there there were a lot of them. Um, one was, uh, you know, we had to look at the fact that we had 10 weeks to get our Super Bowl ad done from time of deciding it to the time it was going to hit the market. And it was during COVID. So um, in, in on a good day, you know, you would at least want 12 weeks um, and sometimes more. So we had to take that into account and whether we could produce a Super Bowl, you know, worthy ad in that time period. We also um, thought to be most authentic. We wanted to use real job seekers, which in itself is a little bit harder when you're trying to get a performance out of them. But we knew that we wanted to tell our story in the most authentic way possible. But that also added time to our timeline. One of the other ones, which you and I talked about directly, you know, along with Dave, uh, and I'd huddled with my team first, right? Because this is a, a kind of a high pressure moment. We wanted to make sure we got it right, and as a team. We we all said, we know this is the right thing to do. We know it's the right message. We've got a great campaign. However, as uh, marketers, when you're in the Super Bowl, you are critiqued. Um, you are put into competitions, whether you want to be or not. Everybody's going to be talking about the quality of the ad and and whether it won and, and whose ad was better. And so I remember... Um, our team saying, we know this is a great ad. I don't know if we're going to win the awards because a lot of the award-winning ads use celebrity. They were really funny. And um, we said, that's not us. That's not authentic. That's not what job seekers need. This is a serious time for people. Um, we need to provide inspiration and therefore our ad will have a different tone than the majority of Super Bowl advertisers. And I remember us feeling like it was important just to say this to you and Dave. We knew what you would say, um, but I was like, okay, let me just like, we're going to go have this conversation. And and of course, you said what I expected, which is we're not in this to win awards. For us, winning is getting our mission out in the world and helping people get jobs. And, you know, that really, um, even though I knew you were going to say it, I needed to hear you say it and I needed to, to tell my team, let's just make the best ad possible to get our mission out there and inspire job seekers. So that was another, um, you know, big consideration. And then um, the other one, the risk that we took was using Christian Shelton as the voice instead of Andra Day. Andra Day sings the song Rise Up, which was the soundtrack of our, our Super Bowl ad. And we thought that was the absolute perfect soundtrack. And she sang it beautifully. Um, but we wanted to give a little bit of a fresh spin to it. And we wanted to give somebody an opportunity who, um, you know, was a more of an up and coming musician. And so we found Christian Shelton on YouTube and decided to give him this opportunity, which put a little more pressure on the, the timeline and being able to make that happen. So with all of these um, questions and decisions that we were making that were not necessarily following what other people might be doing in, in this situation, what, what gave you the confidence that this was the right thing to do and that we were, we were all in? Yeah, I mean, it really was just knowing we had to make it work. Um, it was the right thing to do. People needed to hear this message and be inspired. So we didn't see it as really having a choice. 
And then at the same time, you know, we have a great team internally and externally working on it. And we knew also that we had your support, we had Dave's support and everybody was kind of holding hands. And I think when you're looking to take a, a risk, you know, knowing that you have support from everyone around you, uh, it makes it a lot easier to be confident with the decision. So how did you feel sitting at home and watching the ad? when it ran? Uh, it was such a good feeling. Um, it, it was a relief. And when we saw the response to it, you know, seeing people, what they were saying on social media, you get this real time feedback from it. So I would say our team was all virtually high-fiving. We felt like we did what we set out to do by giving that hope and inspiration. And a lot of that just came from the, the real time feedback and how good it felt when we saw it. So um, as we, start thinking about where we go with this. Um, how did the process of, of putting this campaign together and, and creating the, the Super Bowl ad uh, change maybe the way that we're thinking about where we're going with our brand in the future? Yeah, so it, it really, um, I think we saw one that being authentic was what was really going to resonate with people. and really putting forward our mission of helping all people get jobs. And that is something we certainly will carry forward. This is one to, you know, many stories that we're going to tell in that same fashion. Um, at the same time, you know, really focusing on the all in our mission and making sure that we were um, bringing diverse talent to the table you know, has has become, I would say, critically important to our team. It's it's become a big priority for us um, over the last year or so. Um, so it's really changed. You know, we've had we've had quite a journey. We've learned some things the hard way, you know, as, as we went along. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, I'll, I'll back up for those at Indeed who've who've heard this story. I'm going to tell it again. And, and that was we started this journey um, and trying to be more inclusive and tell the story how every single job was important, you know, last year. And we launched this campaign called Great Moments. And that was really supposed to talk about every single job that goes into making something great happen. And we told this story about a woman named Sarah, and, and it was a true story who had received a cochlear implant, which um, allowed her to hear. And we talked about all the jobs that went into it. And for her personally, she was happy about this. Um, but once we ran this um, ad or actually we had shared it internally and planned to run it um, in the Oscars, we um, heard from our IRG team internally, the accessible accessibility IRG, that it was actually um, hurtful to some people, that it meant that those that couldn't hear, there was something wrong with them. And that if we ran it, it wouldn't it wouldn't um, really tell that message that we intended, which is we're a brand for everybody. We care about everybody. So really, we pulled we pulled it, you know, before it aired um, because of that learning. So I think our biggest learning from that process was you've got to have everybody at the table, you know, from the beginning and truly have their voices represented um, or, or it's really easy to make a misstep because you don't really know what you don't know. And that was one of those moments for us. So um, al along those lines, we recently launched our new Royce, uh, Rising Voices initiative, which we're very excited about, uh, specifically to amplify the, the voices uh, of Black, Indigenous, people of color, storytellers, and to provide them opportunity behind the camera, not just in front of the camera. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, about what other things that we're doing to help 
bring more opportunity to underrepresented talent. That's right. Yeah. So I would say we've made a really, a really big shift, um, you know, starting with we had our um, Black History Month, you know, effort um, where we've completely changed where we're really focused on cultural moments and our values. And we had all people of color who were writing and directing to developing to producing same thing um, for Women's History Month, which we're going to talk about shortly and I'm going to share. So really just making sure that um, we have people across the board at the table and working on the work, you know, at a time there was a time I would say through through a lot of my career where we're looking at what we're producing and saying let's make sure that's diverse and like is this diverse well completely different you know day in which we're saying no did we have a diverse set of people working on this initiative do we have their voice at the table helping make sure that it's true representation so really have made a, a big shift in terms of the people that we're working with and how we're actually bringing our messages to market which has been a, a great, gratefully impactful way to work. Great. So you mentioned Women's History Month. So um, our, our values are showing up more and more every day in our brand strategy and our marketing. Can you talk about the plans that we have for Women's History Month? Yeah, I'm excited to share that. Um, so with today being the kickoff, um, I will be sharing with you an ad that we're going to be using to really highlight, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have seen um, the term the she session, where women have really been disproportionately impacted um, by COVID and um, partly because of the industries that they were in, a lot of frontline workers, but also because in a lot of cases they're considered the caretakers. And so they had to really make a choice of taking care of their kids or their loved ones or working. So we really wanted to highlight this as, as an issue. And then we'll also be doing a lot to help support through content and um, podcasts. We've got some also great research that we've done um, to really help women get back into the workforce. So with that, I will, uh, I'll share the ad. Kudos. Um, you know, in this case, we have uh, Tiffany and Amanda, who's on our internal creative team that developed this ad, working with our producer, Chrisanna, and really proud to um, get that launched today. And, you know, we've worked across the marketing organization with the Job Seeker Experience team. We'll have a great content hub, you know, with great tips. Um, we'll do an event around it. So the way we're thinking about this, um, we've got, you know, a couple of work streams going, but, but this is about really supporting our values, being a part of cultural conversations that we know we can lead and that are really important to us. And then also looking at what actions can we we take to be helpful. So this, you know, we have like a, you know, all month, you're going to be seeing things come out that are meant to help women get back to work. 
Great. And so I think we have uh, one more thing that you wanted to talk about, um, which is about Equal Pay Day. So you want to give a little introduction to the the thinking behind this and the and the project and the and the work we've created. Yeah. So another thing that that we're really excited about again, um, just to take a couple steps back, this is going to be a cadence that you see from us: cultural moments where Indeed really cares, has something to say, and can really lead the conversation. And one of those areas we really um, you know believe in fair and equitable hiring and fair and equitable work. Um, as part of that, we've got Equal Pay Day coming up. Um, and really wanted to tackle this in a way that was going to um, resonate with people and show the inequities in pay. So we decided to conduct an experiment. Um, you'll understand that a little more when I play this video um, uh, to really highlight the inequities, but then also give some action as to what we and everybody can do to help fix the challenge um, using Indeed. So with that, I will I'll share our payday experiment. The fact that like women only get 81 cents to a dollar. I mean, like that's a fact, everyone knows that. I've seen the pay gap between men and women and also between different race of people. I believe I have um, been, uh, I would say discriminated against. Does a gender pay gap exist in, in my field? Of course it does. Revealing my salary with my name and face attached to it is, is a territory that I really don't want to charter into. <laughs> my last job, they straight up said, we don't talk about salary right here. So starting in my career, I was very open about it until I was told not to speak of it. Your salary is higher than $130,000, turn your camera off. Higher than $110,000, turn your camera off. $90,000. $80,000, turn your camera off. $65,000, turn your camera off. Oh my God. I gotta quit. Um, annoyed. Not surprised though. <sighs> I, I thought I was in a completely different place. My value as a human being, my value as a, as a teacher, you know, that would be my, my, my main question, my main concern. It's like I, I put in my best effort every day when I go to work. Um, so it's, it, it's heartbreaking to know that. There are people, you know, out there that are doing the exact same thing that you're doing and, and feel the same passion that you feel for what you're doing. And they're making, you know, fifteen to twenty thousand dollars more than you. It's a it's it's a gut check, honestly. I think how you get there 
is you have to break some sort of social norm that everyone's kind of come to adopt, right? The only reason I make the number I do is because I asked someone relatively what they make and I used that number to ask for my salary. If me talking about my salary helped someone else, I would be more than willing to do it. Turn your camera back on if you'd share your salary, if you knew it could help the fight for equal pay. It's just priceless information. If I knew that talking about my salary could help eliminate the pay gap, I would. We can actually share salaries. There's nothing illegal about it. Absolutely, I'm gonna share my salary. and that offers me certain advantages that I capitalize on without even really knowing. I'll be honest, I just didn't see the disadvantages that women might face uh, until maybe today. It's a little bit more eye-opening for me. I love being able to see this. This is a very healthy conversation. That's such like valuable information to know. I've uh, seen that video several times now, and it still gets me every time. You know, you can read the statistics all day long, but ultimately work is about people. And it's so powerful to see the human impact of the gender pay gap represented this way. So this has been a, a great kickoff to Women's History Month. And before we wrap up, Jennifer, can I just ask, what advice would you give to other women about their career development? Yeah, great, great question. And I, I do get asked that a lot. And I would say, you know, number one, like find not just a mentor. Mentoring is really important, but find a champion. Um, when I look back at my career, I think having people who not only gave me guidance, but helped champion me along the way was really important. So, and you know who those are, you can just kind of see it and feel it and and try to find those champions and then make them your, your mentor. Um, the other thing would be be authentic. You know, it's really easy to try to change yourself or adapt to the environment around you and and try to to be someone who you're not and you feel like that's going to get you further. Um, something that I certainly did early in my career coming coming from a small town and and wanting to pretend like I didn't um, be authentic, be true to who you are. You'll get a lot further that way. Um, I also think, you know, for those that are in leadership positions, it's really important that we bring people up along, you know, with us and, and support each other and, and help people out um, along the way. And then last, I'd say, you know, I think it's important to be a lifelong learner, never feel like you're done learning and, and learn all you can and, um, you know, really continue to assess where do you get your energy and where do you not and, and focus in that area and, and keep on learning. <laughs> Great. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me to today to kick off Women's History Month and talk about all of the amazing work that we're doing here and to share your own personal experiences. And thank you for everything that you do for Indeed and for people all over the world uh, to get help them get jobs. Of course. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you.